Live from the heart of Lincoln, America, welcome to Ticket Weeknights on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. That's right, Another edition of Heart of a Husker. And uh, uh, this next guest is the heart of not only the Husker, but the heart, I think, of that uh, offensive line back in those days to help us catapult the younger guys into what we did in 97 and then help us get to the championship. Bring in Dr. Rob Zadiska. Rashawn, how are you doing? I'm great. So, okay, so here's my question. You've had some of the other pipeline guys on already, correct? Yes, sir. Did you tell all of them they were the heart of the pipeline or just me? Just you. <laughs> just you. I, I, I'm asking, I'm asking Sty about that. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm following up on this. I'm checking you here. Hey, hey, listen, you know what? I know I'm going to have to deal with all five of you guys on July 22nd up in North Fork, Nebraska. For your Norfolk, yes, Norfolk. Norfolk, Norfolk, no, Norfolk, I, Norfolk's in Virginia. No, sir, no, sir. I got somebody from Norfolk, Norfolk. Okay, Told Norfolk. It's, it's fork. It's no fork. It's fork. They got spoons only. I guess. <laughs> but no, I've been good, man. It's it's been great to talk to you guys. Uh, just talk about some of the old memories, some some things that I think are key pieces that may that that people don't necessarily pay attention to. You know, like offensive linemen back then were always team captains. You always did have some. I mean, I you know when you look at you look at the offense. Um, you know, Mark Schlereth, the former Redskins hog offensive lineman, and he was on those uh, Super Bowl winning Denver teams. He's got a great speech that he gave at a football. It, it was a football coaches clinic. And he gave the speech. And it, the, the key point he made is that there's probably few people that are, and I'm not trying to take anything away from fullbacks and tight ends here, by the way. Uh, but the point he made is that from an offensive line standpoint, it's, it's arguably one of the more skilled positions. Nobody calls it that. But you've got to be able to react and play against some of the best athletes on the opposing team. I mean, you've got to play against the 300-pound interior defensive linemen. You've got to play against the rush-in types. you got to go against those 6'5", 260-pound guys who could almost be a track athlete at defensive end. You've got to play against the linebackers, whether it's the big old-school Mike Ditka types who were like the 6'3", 250-pound middle linebackers. You got to play against. I mean, the guys like we had, like Ed Stewart and Troy Dumas, guys who could, who could take on an offensive lineman, who could cover a wide receiver, those speedsters at linebacker. We had to play against those guys. We had to come around on pulling plays on those traps and on those counters and be able to pick up a safety in open field and match up with those guys and block those guys. And so it's there was a huge amount of versatility that those guys had to have when you're playing at that line position. And, and that's something that I think linemen have always had to do. So I, I think people don't look at line play that way. But if you watch a football game, look at who the linemen are playing against. 
Because you're going to, I mean, on one play, you might be taken, you might, as an offensive tackle, for instance, you might have a defensive end on one play, a, de- a defensive tackle, a nose guy on another play, alignment on a play after that. You might be coming up on a safety or even a corner on a screen pass in, in those open field situations on a play after that. So there's this constant churning over uh, of skill sets in terms of who you're having to match up with. And I, I don't think that's something people, really look at it. I think most of the time you look at it, well, it's a bunch of big uglies up front banging into each other and immovable objects against irresistible forces nonstop all game. It's good linemen are people who can move. And that's something that I think in any sport, that's true at any position in any sport, you got to be able to move. It's just, I don't think people think of offensive linemen in that regard. How are you able to be a four-year starter? Um, you know, and it was, I, I will clarify this. It was intermittent. I mean, I, I was, I started games as a freshman, a sophomore, full-time junior and senior. Um, I, I think there was kind of a movement in recruiting and the sort of a mold I fit into. At the time when I came out of high school, I was a guy that would have been in a lot of eras, whether it was before my time, after my time, people would have looked at me and said, that's a defensive lineman. That's a guy. That's that's like a that's a three four DN. That's a guy who's six five, two seventy five coming out of high school. Um, that's a guy who maybe is going to get moved to an interior defensive lineman like a Ty Robinson type right now. That that was kind of what I came out of high school as. I mean, if you want a good parallel to guys who are down in Lincoln right now, it's probably somebody like that. That's six four to six six, two seventy to two ninety when they came out of high school. When I graduated high school, I was about two ninety. But I can I could consistently run my senior year in high school kind of in the four seven four seven five range. Wow. Now, I'm not saying my I'm not saying my lateral was that good. Straight away, straight away I could get I could get mass moving in a straight line <laughs> and keep it moving at a pretty good clip. But that was a mold that for a lot of people it pictured people pictured that was like well this is a guy who automatically projects to a defensive line and defensive end at the college level. And at the time, I think Nebraska was kind of maybe making a change or a little bit the, the way they recruited linemen. They needed big guys who could run and they needed guys who could do those pulls, those traps, those counters. Everybody looks at Nebraska as sort of this power option, power game. Man, there was a lot of movement up front. And I remember my junior, sophomore year, junior year, that was when Osborne kind of started putting in a lot of the running our entire run offense out of shotgun. So you had to be able to move. You had to be able to run. And so when they were recruiting guys, I think Tenniper and Dan Young and Osborne, I, I think they looked at linemen who could move. And I think that was kind of paramount because you had some guys who over the years you had some big guys, you had some smaller guys, you had tall guys, you had short guys. There wasn't a physical profile they recruited the, the the one profile that they went after for most of Osborne's air career as a coach you had to have guys who could move 
and I say Osborne, I'm talking about Tenniper and Young as the old line coaches, but they wanted guys who could move, and that was kind of the profile they went after. If you were an Aaron Taylor who was – I'm making fun of Aaron a little bit here. But if you were 5'10", 5'11", like Taylor or Matt Hoskinson, but you could move, that was great. If you were 6'4", six, 6'5", six, like myself, Sty, Weger, Graham, Wilkes, and you could move, that fit the profile too. You just had to be able to move. Yeah, that's true. You know, we, we, when you compare that 97 offensive line, who was senior laden, who you got a chance to play with, John Zadiska, your little brother. Yeah, he was like six foot, maybe. Yeah, he was six foot. We were all six foot on that line. <laughs> we all came in in 1993. Talk a little bit about, one, who was the guy who showed you the ropes, and then how did you show – People like your brother, like when I say your brother, I mean John Zadiska, uh, um, Eric Anderson, Aaron Taylor, uh, John Heskew, all the Matt Hoskinson, the guys who came in with me, who we we end up winning the championship in '97. How did you groom us for greatness? So I think there was, you know, when you looked at the guys that were kind of there when I hit the door, I mean, you looked at guys like Brian Boreboom, Jim Scott was a great mentor, David Deal, um, uh, Kenny Malin at guard. These were some really, really great guys to learn from. Uh, and the thing that really came out of those guys who were seniors when I was a freshman, sophomore, um, and, and I mean, God, there's a ton of guys, Tom Punt, Terry Iman. I mean, it's just some of these guys who were juniors and seniors when I was a first year guy down there, uh, sort of the big lesson that came from a lot of that was accountability and it was accountability to the team and it was accountability to the guys that you were playing with. It, it, it remo- th- that accountability removes the me aspect of it. Mm. It's one of those. I. It's one of those. I'm beholden to the guys, the other guys on the team. I'm beholden to the guys that came before me, and you're beholden to the guys that are following. Like you've got a responsibility to try and show those guys the ropes a bit, show those guys what that accountability means. And so that was something that I think really got instilled in us. And there was a ton of self-discipline. And I, I say that, and I think it's easy to – I don't want it to turn into, well, was that hazing kind of thing. But if you were at workouts and you were slacking, and you had Jim Scott from Ansley, Nebraska, who might be one of the most soft-spoken guys on the planet, he would he and a couple of the other juniors and seniors would drag you up into the, the stadium – and you would run a couple flights of stadium stairs just for slacking off. Wow. I mean, so there was a lot of stuff like that where you were held accountable just for not working out as hard as the other guys in a practice or working as in an off-season workout, winter conditioning, summer conditioning. There was a high level of accountability there that if you weren't getting out there and getting after it in those workouts, there was there was a you, you had an internal system of discipline that you would go through punishment laps or extra weightlifting or running stadium stairs. Um, and that was something that, I mean, when you've got, when you got 15 other 20 other guys standing there around, you're going like, Oh no. Yeah. yeah really. You got to get up those stairs 
you're not leaving till you run two flights, four flights, whatever. Mm. So players sent you up the steps. Okay. Oh yeah, it was. This was no coaches involved at all. Which, uh, if there were, I'm sure that would have broken a few rules. But it's that's the kind of accountability that when you have players sitting here going like, "Hey." Our guy over here is like, I mean, he's just not pushing it like we think he ought to be pushing it. Mm. And it's one of those, it's only 78 degrees out. He's not going to die of heat stroke. He needs to work harder. He needs to get after it more. He needs to show that level of accountability to the rest of us. But when you've got an entire position group where you've got the fifth-year seniors, you've got the true freshmen, and all of them have that sense of accountability to each other. And like I said, it's got to go both ways. You can't have just the younger guys looking up to the seniors and saying, hey, I got to live up to what these guys have done. When you've got the seniors looking down at the younger guys and going, hey, we've got to be accountable to them. We've got to show them how to do it. We got to show them how to work harder. And all of a sudden, You've got the fifth-year seniors who are two, three-year starters. Um, you've got the Will Sh- guys like Will Shields is a great example. I mean, Absolutely. there's a reason Will Shields is in the College Football Hall of Fame. There's a reason Will Shields is in camp. I mean, mm-hmm. he's an NFL Hall of Famer. There's a reason for that, and it's not just that he's an amazing talent, that he's an amazing athlete. Nobody outworks Will Shields. Wow. But you had this whole slew of upperclassmen that you would look up at these guys. And, I mean, man, talk about a gauntlet getting thrown down. I mean, there was a challenge issued day one from the upperclassmen, from those juniors, seniors, the guys that were the team leaders, the team captains. And it was like – and that challenge was basically, I dare you to outwork me. Now, when you've got a bunch of starters looking down at these younger guys and going, I dare you to outwork me, man, it's that's a hell of a team culture right there. It's hard. Yeah. It's, that's that's hard to beat when it gets out on a football field when you've had that kind of culture going year round. Since we're talking about that, uh, because I, I had to go back and look at how many years in a row that the team captain was always an offensive lineman and then when did it stop? That doesn't really matter to me. As a team captain, what were some of your responsibilities to the team? Well, that, you know, that's an interesting question because we had, uh, we at Unity Council first started when I was, uh, I think I was a redshirt freshman when Jack Stark started the Unity Council. Um, And so you had that internal governing body on the team um, you know, probably the biggest thing is just making sure that everybody's focused on that one goal. And again, that one goal comes back to that accountability to the team, to doing what's right for the team. I mean, even to the extent that, I mean, it's, it's one of those, you had some, if there's strife, if there's guys not getting along at the time, and it's, there's a lot of things that you can look at where, you can say, okay, there's these two guys over here and they're not getting along. Um, and, and, you know, it's probably not that big a deal and it's probably not going to affect things. 
But, man, you get two guys over here not getting along and three other guys over here not getting along. And then these two other guys over here don't think they have to maybe work as hard as somebody else. All of a sudden, then that accountability starts going away. And so I think as a captain, but it's there's probably this attention to detail when it comes to those little things, culture and accountability there's this million and one little teeny tiny, almost seemingly meaningless fires. I mean, if I walk through your house and like light a match and flick it, it's probably not going to do much. But if I walk through your house and I like light 20 matches and drop them on the floor, I'm going to burn your house down. And so you kind of got to think of it that way. So it's that the job as a captain is you've got, to, you've got to find every little match and put it out. And so that's and that's the kind of thing when you see an issue with accountability, when you see a thing with leadership. Because you, as a captain, you've got to expect everybody to be a leader. Like good teams and good captains aren't led by a small number of people. Great captains are people who can point to 10 other guys and basically say like, hey, I need you to be the and, I mean, that was something that we, you talk about, like, the pipeline offensive line. That was one of the great things about that line is that everybody on that line was a great leader. I mean, Aaron Graham, who was he was the, he was the, he was the little kid. He was the junior. He was only a fourth-year junior in 94. But, I mean, he was one of the most vocal guys on that offensive line. Joel Wilkes was like the epitome of a lead by example. Stye was like the angry fire. Zach was sort of the, I'm just going to kick everybody's ass and keep, and, and then crack a few jokes about it and keep everybody's mood a little, little even keeled and lighthearted so he didn't get too uptight about stuff. Everybody had their different style of being a, of being a good leader. But what the about you? Kick, uh, I was the intellectual one. I was gonna. I was gonna. Out, I was gonna overthink everything. That was my style. But I, I'm, do you know what my leadership style was? I was the guy who was gonna go talk to the referee and get him to not throw a flag on Zach the next time Zach started getting lippy with, with defensive linemen from the other team. Well, he was the voice so, of reason. Oh, there we go. I was the voice of reason. I like that. But it's like, but you, you had to have. Great leaders do a good job of getting 10 other people to step up as leaders and getting those 10 other people to find 10 other people to be great leaders. You you do that and all of a sudden there's a hundred great leaders. Mm. And I mean, if so that, and I thought that we had some great captains, some great leaders in, in my time. So Got to silence that phone for Sean. I didn't mind before. The I, I, listen, <laughs> listen, everybody, you know, I'm doing this eight o'clock deal and everybody wants to come over, bam on the door, call me while I'm on the radio. When you're, hey, it's the only Jeez. time people want to talk to you is when you're doing this. So, man, these phones. The, uh, but no, that's, that's, you know, you ask about the captain. I, I mean, I think really good captains, and I'm not saying I'm a great captain. I was a great captain. It was, yeah, you were. Um, I was, you know, kind of the, the probably the biggest compliment I had, that, that I, the biggest compliment, in my opinion, was I remember, because at the time, it was all a team vote for captain. 
And I remember after we voted, we're walking out of the, you know, the main team meeting room, the main auditorium. I don't even know if that place exists anymore. Yeah, it's over there still. It's it's over there somewhere, but I I think it's probably some lecture hall for the neuroscience department. But um, I remember we're walking out of there and Damon Benning walks up to me. He was like, hey, I voted for you. And here's this little sophomore running back. He's a Northwest kid. I mean, you can't trust those guys anyway. They're a little sketch. Um, but it, it, at the time, I just remember being like, damn, that's a compliment right there. I mean, that kind of meant something. And I I always appreciated that. And I was humbled by that. Yeah. And I ended up getting elected as a captain with Zach. We were the two offensive captains that year. Um but I mean, it's the expectation in my mind was to try and find everybody I could on the team and get everybody to step up and be that leader. You, we, we talk about 94, you know, 93, we came up short. Uh, me and Stike talked about what was the transition? What was life like losing? To Florida, getting cheated by Florida State. I'm sorry. <laughs> and, I don't know. Florida State cheated us. I think the refs. I think we had, I think we, had a, we had some bad. I think it was like ACC refs. It was horrible. But, but um, well, I had well, some losing that game. Yeah. You know, well, how did how did how did we catapult? And how did you guys look at '94 season? You know, pulling your socks up and saying we're getting ready to build this pipeline. It, you know, there was there was kind of multiple steps there. I mean, one um, you know, on one hand, I you know, you that that ninety three season to this day still hurts, and probably the thing that hurts most about it is I think about the guys who are the seniors, the fifth year seniors on that team, and I'm always going to feel like we let those guys down. Wow. I mean, that still bugs me to this day because that was that was a great group of guys. I mean, it was – you had Trev and Kevin Raymakers. And, I mean, it just – Corey Dixon, that was his last year. I mean, you just – ah, oh, had some amazing people on that team who were seniors in 93. And you wanted to see those guys get that ring. And so there was this – level of accountability where you felt like you let those guys down. And I remember part of that accountability thing and part of the thing that made me always go back and look at it in the sense of that accountability to the people coming up behind us was that, I mean, I kind of felt as seniors that that we can't let those guys go through this again. We don't want those guys to have that emotional kind of that emotional heartache of putting all that time, all that effort into this goal and not rising up to it because we knew we had an amazing group of guys coming back again. Um, And so we knew the possibility of winning that title was there that next year going into 94. Um, I, I think probably the biggest thing from a preparation standpoint, a training standpoint, a work ethic standpoint, is that and, and again I was kind of serious when I said, man, I don't I don't fault Florida State. That Florida State team in '93 uh, might have been one of the most talented. I'm not saying best team, but might have been one of the most talented teams I've ever seen because they had it on both sides of the ball. Yeah, I, I mean, you look at that offense led by Charlie Ward, the wide receivers, the running backs. You looked at 
who was at Floyd at fullback. The offensive line was great. Clay Shivers was an amazing center. Um, you looked over on defense. You, you had Derek Brooks at linebacker. I mean, he was, I mean, another Hall, NFL Hall of Famer there. Um, Derek Alexander at def- on, on the defensive line. He was a longtime Minnesota Viking. I had to, had to play against him in the NFL. I mean, it sucked. The guy was a, just an amazing football player. So you had just, just outstanding athletes. So the Florida State team, I don't fault them. But there was a thing there where with the referees that you kind of had the sense of like, okay, we need to become so good, so well-conditioned, so strong, so fast, that we can be so good, we can overcome bad officiating. That was that was the logic, was we need to become so good that there's no outside factors that can prevent us from winning this. We need to be able to become so good that a missed field goal as time expires, we can overcome that. We need to be better than missed field goals. We need need to become so good that fumbles, turnovers, we can overcome all of that. That was the mindset we had. Wow. Hey, heart of a Husker. I can't tell you the fastest two hours, but it's definitely going to go by just like that. Big Rob, Dr. Rob Zadisco, I appreciate you, big brother. We're going to go to a break when we come back. I got to know, who did the most on the dumbbells? You? Oh, you talk to Stye about this. You or Stye? Because, well, wait a minute. I, I See, I got I an answer, that an answer for you. I got hey. an answer for you. All right, we'll be right back with more. Dr. Rob, one-fifth of the pipeline. Original. 